and they're like, well, what has he been on? And I'm like trying to remember, you know, because I just met him. Like he was on Seinfeld. And I'm like, yeah, he was Todd Gack. On, and they're like, no way, that's Todd Gack. And you know, it was, I was on Seinfeld and it came in number one for the week. And I was the main guest star on Third Rock from the Sun. And that came in number two. And I'm the main guest star in both of those shows. Not only the same week, one came on at nine and the other came on at 9.30. <laughs> Is that right? It was back to back. It was pretty crazy. Today is my great pleasure to be sitting alongside writer, director, veteran actor, and master teacher, John D'Aquino. You may know him from shows such as Corey in the House, NCIS, Dexter, Quantum Leap, Sequest, Hannah Montana, and Seinfeld, where he played the character of Todd Gack. From weathering a slew of acting rejections to getting discovered while slinging drinks at a famous steakhouse, we join John on his roller coaster journey through the extreme highs and lows of booming Hollywood in the 80s. Be it auditioning for The Godfather in front of Coppola, or hobnobbing with Barbara Streisand and Warren Beatty at the 84 Olympics, John shares endless industry stories, including how he finally got his big break. Mentored by Tony Award-winning Charles Nelson Reilly and iconic Burt Reynolds, John has had a deep yearning to share his knowledge and passion for the arts, eventually leading him to found his own Young Actors Workshop, which has grown successfully and exponentially over the years. John can honestly say that he's made Larry David and Seinfeld laugh, truly respects the art of acting, has a heart of gold, and lucky for me, he's made time in his busy schedule to be with me today. Well, Mr. John D. Aquino. Mr. Sir, Lord, Sir. Live in the flesh here. <laughs> the last time I seen you, we were probably f three or four years younger. Uh, I don't know about you. I was in my 30s. You see? Yeah. <laughs> John is kind of like a connection to me being here in the studio and living in L.A. Mm -hmm. My son, Zach, is an actor, still a, a struggling actor. And uh, he was in Georgia. We were living in Georgia. And a guy by the name of Eric Lingvall was his acting coach out there. And Eric had this mentor. Uh, and this mentor was uh, this guy from Hollywood that is an awesome acting coach and one of the most sought-after acting coaches for kids. And he was coming to, to Georgia to do a boot camp. And so we got in on that and it sold out in like a day. And and sure enough, a couple of weeks later, we're in class with Mr. John D'Aquino learning everything about acting. You know, I forgot I met you there at Catapult Studios with Eric. That's where it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. You know, one thing would lead to another and I ended up sold my company and 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 pursued this acting thing. And we ended up in, in L.A. and I reached out to Eric. I'm like, give me John's number. I'd love to connect with John. And we weren't even, we didn't have a place to live yet. And uh, we connected to you and you were so nice. We met at Bob's Big Boy right there in Burbank. And then you gave us a drive in your uh, Tahoe, I believe. Yep. And you kind of showed <laughs> us all around Toluca Lake. And you're like, this celebrity lives here. And this person that created all of these sitcoms lives here. And, and it was this beautiful little place. And so we rented a place in Toluca Lake, not far from your studio. That's right. Very yeah. close. And I want to talk a little bit about your career, but first we're going to play a, a game. We're going to play an improv game. Okay. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> you teach improv. I actually don't teach improv. Be you very don't. clear on that. Okay. Now, Jafet Gordon is our improvised uh, coach. When I was growing up, improvisation was not the standard. You know, it was more of just that regular um, in the box sort of, acting, uh -huh. if you will. But yeah. I'm, I'm game. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. Let's go. I did some uh, Second City classes for a little bit. <laughs> See? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> no. And listen, I know about algorithms, so get ready. There you go. All right. right? <laughs> All right, so I guess this game, and Whitney, our producer here, had set this up, uh, is called Fortunately Unfortunately. Have you ever heard of this? I suspected her from the beginning. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, so how this works is, I guess, I'm going to read off a prompt, and then we're going to go back and forth for a little bit. And there's a couple prompts. We'll pick, like, a couple of them here. Okay. Uh, and basically, um, I will say a prompt. You say... Fortunately, and you've got good news to share about this prompt, and then I'll have to go unfortunately, and we'll just kind of go back and forth. Never played it before, but let's have fun. All right. So the first one is, I saw a coyote in my backyard last night. Fortunately, I love coyote meat. But unfortunately, I'm really allergic to it. Fortunately, I'm not. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of room in our refrigerator, John. <laughs> First of all, it sounds like you and I are living together. <laughs> I like you. Um, fortunately, I just bought you a brand new refrigerator. I had to move the television. Unfortunately, that television broke and <laughs> I stumbling here. So she went that route. I went to Third City. See? So See? There you go. All right. We'll do one more here. So last night, John, the mm. wife and I decided to, to break out the old Ouija board. Oh, now you're married. Okay. Fortunately, mm -hmm. it spiced up our sex life. <laughs> In a weird way. <laughs> Unfortunately, I got a call from your wife this morning. <laughs> you don't even have to say anymore. <laughs> well, fortunately, that call went well because uh, we're going to break it out again tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just say fortunately? No, I'm doing... <laughs> Thank you for playing along. That was a little fun, man. Yep. Your wife's going to smack you <laughs> and then me. So what has been new for you, my friend? Everything. Yeah? I mean, everything's new for everybody these days, I think. Mm -hmm. For me, you know, uh, pre-COVID, fortunately, I, was, uh, I had already was teaching two classes online. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was used to that. So when COVID hit, we just put the whole school online. It wasn't that jarring for us. Um, but, you know, the world was very uh, unknown, just like for everybody else. So trying to figure it out. Uh, the one thing about acting online, which is which at first I was quite dubious about it, was because, you know, how do you how do you get into somebody's head online? And then what I was surprised, this is when I first started doing, I was really surprised that it was in most cases more intimate because everybody's in a close up. Mm. So 
and also, uh, you know, when I with our younger classes, the tweens, uh, typically, I'm telling them to be quiet 20 times sure, each class. I wasn't having to do that anymore. It was really interesting. Hmm. And so now I have everybody facing forward, eager for whatever today's lesson is going to be. I think that's been an interesting development. You have to uh, evolve. You can't teach the old way. You have to teach a different way sure. to get in there. And I've started in the last two months getting into the physical world. We're in California, so it's not the same as like Eric, for example. He was, he's been barely down in, uh, in Georgia sure. and Atlanta. And, um, you know, the state of Georgia has capitalized by being very careful where they need to be careful. And uh, so they've got a lot going on there in terms of incentives and studios and things like that. Mm -hmm. I just came back from the state of Oklahoma and also Ohio. Both of those states also have incentives. The state of Oklahoma is doing quite well with it. Hmm. Um, as I was arriving, um, Scorsese was finishing a project and so was Brad Pitt. And then as I'm leaving, no, it was De Niro and uh, DiCaprio came in for a oh, project. Okay. So all of these names are gargantuan. In running around Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, if you cross every T, dot every I, you can get up to 35% tax credits. Tax credits back. Got it. Which is amazing. Of course. State of Ohio has incentives, I understand. I don't know to what degree and other states are doing it. So I think... And I believe the state of California is changing some things now where you know, we hope to keep more going on here. Got it. So we're going to have to hold on tight and be very competitive moving forward. Um, with there being so many new places to consume content, it doesn't seem like there's enough sound stages to kind of even produce all this content these days, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally went to Oklahoma to shoot a movie. Yeah. Shot it in Stillwater. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I want to talk about earlier how you kind of get into this whole acting thing. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that was really magical about to make that connection back to my son, Zach, was so when we first got out here, you have this thing called Camp Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Camp Hollywood is like this. It's like this such a special thing, right? You you spend months kind of writing out the actual the story, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um and then you have these young kids that, you know, are in training. Some have more experience than others that, that bring it. They, mm -hmm. they bring their artistic talent. And within like two weeks, you produce like two or three like short films. That's right. And the coolest thing about that is these kids get to see what it's like being on set. And who is that person? And who's that guy over there with the camera? And why are they holding this crazy microphone above mm -hmm. my head? Mm -hmm. But after all of that, you know, it's like, they get to go experience the red carpet mm -hmm. and the, and the poster. And it's like, that's one of the highlights of my like parenthood is kind of getting to experience that. That was really cool, man. Uh -huh. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for that. That's something that, you know, we, we took a lot of pride in and actually it, it takes a lot of our time. It takes about nine months really to prepare for sure. it because you have to have storylines and then you have to create archetypical characters that can adjust according to who is coming in. Mm -hmm. And then inevitably, uh, Jafet Gordon, my main associate, uh, now just sold the television show to HBO Max. So he's with us in limited capacity at this point. Mm. But, you know, uh, Jafet was cutting his teeth 
sure. on these movies. And he's he's very advanced uh, technologically. He's always doing something interesting. And then Shane Brady come aboard, and Shane Shane is amazing. I can throw something at him fairly quickly, and he'll just do a phenomenal job. We felt it was magical because we also it was really hard. You know, we'd have to put two to three editors working simultaneously around the clock to get those sure. movies ready before people from out of town were returning home. So we could have a premiere. We were having them at Raleigh Studios. That's where it was. Yeah, that's I want to right. thank Brad Pitt for walking by during one of them so all the moms got to see Brad Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that, that was wasn't nice. the one we were at. I couldn't afford that, so I really appreciated that. <laughs> but, you know, the thing was to give them to give them a live experience, how, how do you get ready for set? Kira Kossarin, who was one of our students early on, she had only had two or three of our camp movies, plus maybe one small guest star spot on, I think, Austin and Alley or something like that. And then she's the lead of a Nickelodeon show. And her brother on the show is one of our other students from our movies, Jack Griffo. Sure. And then another one of our students, Audrey Whitby, played the best friend. We literally had three people from our school on the same show. It was yeah. it was remarkable. And that was the Thundermans, right? That's right. The Thundermans. Yeah. And as for as cheap as you were charging, like you weren't making a whole lot of money doing these Camp Hollywood. You're, we're lucky if we break even on those because you're guessing it cost, you know. And no, but normally it's for. Normally, we're working with our students who are year-round with us anyway, so we're just trying to keep it affordable. Sure. But, you know, we feel like it's worth it. It really is worth it because it's our signature event that we do uh, each year. The truth is we actually owed some people money from last year's, and I knew I couldn't do it in L.A., so we just put something together in Oklahoma, but it, I actually was able to do an idea that I've really wanted to do, and I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to come out quite strong. Starring in this movie is a, a boy named Chase Vaknin, who who is out of New York, and uh, he's also coming out in the new Sopranos movie. Okay. Uh, we worked together on something. He booked a Nickelodeon show called Drama Club, so he's on that now. Uh, and doing some other work, but he's also got another movie coming out. So he's our lead in the movie in Oklahoma. And what, what's the name of this? It's called Night. Okay. So I want to I want to go way way back. Uh, you were born in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. And were you raised in New York too? Up until I was nine. Okay. In in Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Brooklyn and Queens. Okay. And uh, my f the 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 pivotal point was my father had a heart attack when I was eight years old. Okay. So that was that set a different trajectory for the family. He was fortunate to survive. It was a pretty big heart attack. Um, you know, it's interesting years later, my older brother became a cardiologist as a result of that event. Uh, I was the second oldest. There was, we didn't have a lot of money. Nobody had a lot of money back then. Um, and all of a sudden my father who had a decent paying job at, at best, uh, was no longer working. My mom, it was super hard on her. We, we had just literally the day before he had a heart attack brought home my baby sister from the hospital. Is that right? So, yeah, pretty crazy. And then um, it was hard on her. So I think part of the reason why I became an actor, I was always trying to entertain her and get a smile on her face. Huh. And so I was always doing stupid stuff around her. But I focused, you know, those gigantic boxes with the rabbit ear things called antennas on top of it. That was my world. And I would go in and I kept looking in that box going, 
They're having an awful good time in there. Huh. How do I get in there? <laughs> and then literally my journey was putting one foot in front of the other until I figured out how to get inside that TV box. That's fascinating. And so you were, what, about 12, 13, 14? Were you kind of doing anything like drama club or what I thought you I was going to become an, a, a politician. I was doing sports, played okay. baseball. I'm an okay athlete. You know? I, I act my way through most sports. Yeah, I was playing some sports. I played some tennis, loved tennis. But um, I think the drama teacher eventually figured out that I had a big mouth and uh, I wasn't afraid to get in front of a crowd Okay, um, and started to put me to use. We did a play called Angel Street that's done a lot. And um, that's actually um, that's actually the old movie Gaslight comes from that. And the, the expression gaslighting yeah. comes from that play. Okay. So uh, there was a point where I open up a window box. I'm in my elderly aunt's house. And what I didn't know is they had murdered a man and stuffed him in the window box. And so my character opens it up briefly. He's looking for something, takes about four steps downstage, and all of a sudden has the discovery, huh? the Scooby-Doo moment of what he just saw. Yeah. And in the front row, a lady literally passed out down on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> when I had that reaction. And as everyone's rushing to her to see if she's okay, I'm sitting there with the lights on me going, you know, I think I'm pretty good at this. Yeah, <laughs> I know? would say so. I think I should do this. So, And this is a high school play. Yeah. And where did you go to high school? Coconut Creek, Florida. Ah, so that's you the connection. I, Creek? I do. That's the connection to, uh, to, to Florida because... Uh, I ran into you in Florida at a place called Louis Bossy's on Los Olas. Yeah, and but so that, that, I guess that's what that leads you into where you went to college then, right? Yeah, I went to Florida State, and uh, they had a great film, a uh, great acting school. Uh, Richard Fallon was our leader, our mentor. Burt Reynolds had gone there. Burt Burt was number one box office actor on the planet. Yeah, six times. Mm hmm. I don't know if it's ever been matched again. There were only two people that have ever achieved that. And the other, ironically, because uh, you wouldn't think it was a woman. It wasn't only a woman. It was a little girl with curly blonde hair, Shirley Temple. Sure. You had to go back to Shirley Temple to get six times top box office. Wow. So Bert's friends were everybody. Anybody who's anybody was Bert's friend. Yeah. And in this little theater in Jupiter, Florida, this miracle at a truck stop is what it was called. You know, everybody came in, all Liza Minnelli, Farrah Fawcett would be there, Martin Sheen, oh God, the names go on and on. Sally Fields. Fields, of course. Yeah, yeah so that, that was a big break for me. So you went to school, Florida State. You ended up graduating from there? Yes, and going down to the Burt Reynolds Theater. Okay. And then would you, after you graduated, what what was your plans? Were you going to stay in Florida? Were you going to head to LA? What? I think it was a natural trajectory. I always wanted to go to Los Angeles. Going to Burt's Theater, um, I didn't understand the type of training I would be getting. I thought it would be just theatrical. But then uh, Burt's dear friend, Charles Nelson Riley, uh, became the master teacher. So Char Charles was a staple on television for many years. He also was a Tony Award winning actor and director, I believe. Um, he also directed opera. So Charles was always bringing in the, 
the best of New York from Broadway and the opera world. So you would work all day long. You would be so tired. And it, and then all of a sudden it would be announced that there would be a class at midnight with pick, pick somebody, Liza Minnelli, Sly Stallone, um, wow. Roberta Peters, the uh, opera singer, Dolly Parton, Vincent Gardinia, who was a great actor. He's uh, the uh, father in Moonlight with Cher. You may remember him. Uh-huh. And, uh, he came down with Julie Harris, a five-time Tony Award winner, and they did Death of a Salesman down there, and that was extraordinary. Okay. Yeah. Charles Nelson Riley, um, I, I didn't know of him, and he might have been a little bit before my time, but I was watching YouTube videos of Charles last night, and boy, talk about a charismatic person. The funniest guy in Hollywood. And the way I, I say that because, you know, a, Dom DeLuise, just a wonderful, phenomenal, hysterical man, and uh, others. We, I would, I would be at Charles's house, and he, and I say I would be there because he would always invite students to huh. come over, and he'd say, "Everybody, this is John. <laughs> come on in," you know. And he would introduce you, and ev- you knew everybody at the party. It was crazy. Yeah, you knew everybody there. But he had this energy and he was also a genius and he was brilliant and he was also equally as loving. And he had this thing about the underdogs. You know, he was always helping the underdogs. Wow. So he helped so many of us rise in town. A lot of teachers, acting teachers besides myself that come out of his school. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. So he was he was your mentor. Primary. I would yeah. say primary uh, with Richard Fallon at Florida State. but uh, And Burt Reynolds. I call Burt my mentor as well. Huh. But um, Charles was a game changer for all of us students, not just me, all of us. Going to his class was like going to a theatrical church. It was an experience every time. So you you ended up in L.A. from Florida, right? You're trying to pursue this acting career, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You probably don't have too many friends and family out here. I didn't even know how to get an agent properly. I mean, that was, it's interesting. Back then, you didn't expect to get work right away. Like nowadays, there's something called Nickelodeon and Disney Channel. Yeah. You, you know, young people, they were infrequently used, if you will, infrequently. So it was kind of understood, you're going to study for a decade. And you have to be able to to rise to the higher levels of people in your category. And back when, you know, you're auditioning in town here, I would see the same guys at every audition. Sure. And in a way, you knew you were invited into the family if you were part of the group for your category. And, you know, in the beginning, in your 20s and early 30s, it's very competitive. But then after a while, people start to fall out. And then you're sort of like patting people on the back and wishing them luck and realizing, hey, we're still alive. We're still in the game, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, it takes a lot to stay in the game. And what what kind of odd jobs were you working? Were you waiting tables? Well, I want to tell you the story of how I got discovered oh. by the <laughs> guy walks into the bar. I'm working at Jaime's Seafood, which is a big industry joint on Pico Boulevard. Okay. And sitting over on that table would be Barbara Streisand, Warren Beatty's over there, Goldie Hawn's over there. All of these. And this is a normal thing at this point. Yes, because okay. it's very close to Fox and the food was amazing. And it was the, the seafood house that, you know, had a full bar. 
And uh, opening night of the 19, this will date me a little bit, 1984 Olympics, I am John at the bar as a friend of mine. I'm the bartender. Got it. But I'm having a great time. We have television monitors up. The, half of L.A. left. They were fearing the traffic. So you could go anywhere in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. It was a fantastic time to be in Los Angeles. Sitting at the bar, think George Burns. You know George Burns? Of oh, God. Yeah. There was a man sitting there with this beautiful young uh 20-ish, 30-ish uh, young lady, um, and I don't know who he is, and I'm so busy. I'm taking care of all the drinks to the bar. I'm running all the checks for the register. I'm, t I'm telling a joke where I can, and he's watching me, and he finally calls me down. It's been a long time since I remember this story, but he calls me down, and he says, how long have you been working here? I'm like, I don't know, six months, nine months. <clears throat> Want a drink? <clears throat> no. I look at the gal. She shakes her head. No, I'm like, okay, I go back to work. I'm really busy. Yeah. Um, comes back, calls me down again. Eventually I'm really busy. I go, yes. He goes, are you an actor? I said, yeah, I'm an actor. I point around the restaurant. He's an actor. She's an actor. The bus boys, the, <laughs> the cook, they're all actors. Shrimp cocktail. No. Okay. I go back to it. It's busy <laughs> opening night of the Olympics. And, um, Finally, he gets, he called me down four times total. The final time, no, the third time he's, he calls me down, he says, are you any good? He was watching me. Wow. He was just watching me be John at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> at that time. Now, uh -huh. the thing that he didn't know is I had already trained for a decade and I had phenomenal teachers. I, you might argue I had some of the best teachers. Sure. Some of the names you mentioned. Sure. And so I look at him and I'm like, well, don't be an idiot, John. So he says, are you any good? And I said, yeah, I'm good. Dessert? No. <laughs> and before he leaves, he calls me down and he hands me his business card. And I mean, remember, I had nothing happening, yeah. nothing. And on the card, it says his name, Sam Weisbord, the chairman of the board of the William Morris Agency, number one in the world, by the way, at the time. Yeah. The William Morris Agency, Los Angeles, New York, Bever uh, Beverly Hills, I should say, Miami, mm -hmm. London, Rome. Chairman of the board. Chairman of the board. And I look at him and I'm like, are you this guy? And he says, yeah. I said, well, I guess I'll call you then. <laughs> Two weeks later, I'm watching college football because I'm a maniac about college football for Florida State. Sure. <laughs> it comes on early in L.A. and I see a news flash. The chairman of the board of the William Morris Agency passed away this morning. And I'm like, oh, no! my God. No! I'm, on the, I'm pounding the floor. And then they put up the picture of the previous chairman of the board, the very famous Abe Lasfogel, who, who basically is the William Morris agency. I see. I mean, he was no, just very, very famous. He's the one that brought Frank Sinatra back from the dead. Wow. And I think got him the Manchurian candidate. So this guy was a legend. Mm -hmm. And I was like, thank you, God, thank you. <laughs> and then eventually agents would come in and sit at my bar just to stare at me and not tell me who they were mm -hmm. because the old guy was forcing me on them. Uh, wow. And they were like, God, Sam wants us to go in and see this kid, right? Oh, God. Two and a half months later, yeah. I have my first series, ABC Disney. But you're, you got signed with William Morris? I did. 
I did. Like the, that's begrudgingly, like, yeah. those youngsters had to take me in. It's like an A-list kind of uh, agency. Back like, in the day. Sure. And in a way, it was, you know, Sam could look at them and go, see, I can pick them. Right. Because mm -hmm. he's the older guy and they all think they know more than him at that time. You ever, you ever think how life kind of talks to you? Like you working at the restaurant, him sitting there, like all these like connections, like it, it, life is talking to you. Well, back it up to nothing's happening for me for the first two and a half years. And yeah. every night I would go out to the dumpster that smelled like the worst old fish and alcohol. And I would literally hit my knees and pray, please, God, soon. Sure. I would literally do that. And there's uh, actors doing that right now. Oh yeah. And God sends uh, Sam Weisbord to my bar. It yeah. was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Such a powerful story. It's always interesting to hear how people kind of get their big break. Man, I was going through your IMDB last night and there's just so many. Um, and in fact, it's funny because we were talking about uh, Dom DeLuise and there was a video of you and Dom DeLuise in some movie. movie. Hold on. I think I have it. It's all about you. Oh, my God. Where'd you, you find you, that? You were young. Where'd you? Yes, I was young. Where'd you find that? It was on YouTube. When you just YouTube your name, there's this internet thing, and you YouTube John D'Aquino, and there's is a, there video. a video. from that movie? There's a Dom? video from that movie. Oh, that's great. I actually, I think I worked with Dom on Spielberg's Amazing Stories I think he was in the same, we were in the same episode as well. Okay. But uh, all, it's all about me was a brainchild of Mark Fowser. Starts out as a play up on uh, Franklin Boulevard uh -huh. at the Tamarind Theater. And Mark comes to me and says, hey, I'm writing this uh, scene for class. It was Charles Nelson Raleigh's class. Uh -huh. And I want you to play this uh, actor, this famous actor with a small penis. <laughs> and I'm like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, no, I really want you to do this. Well, Mark is one of the funniest people you'll ever meet in your life. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right. So he talks me into it. We do the scene. It like kills. It just kills. So he writes a full play. Yeah. That kills at that theater. As a matter of fact, my wife, my future wife came to see the play. Okay. <laughs> she must have thought anybody who's willing to make fun of their penis, you know, he's got to be a pretty confident sure. guy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was reverse psychology. But at any rate, um, uh, yeah, then it became a film and we just, you know, we used a, a lot of the friends and Dom was in, I got to work with Dom. How cool is yeah, that? Yeah, it was, man. he was so freaking funny. If you watch that scene, you have to watch me trying to not die laughing. <laughs> so other things, let's see here. Uh, you, you were Quantum Leap for many years. On the front, okay, so I had already auditioned for that show, I think four times, mm -hmm. if not five. And I'm like, Seriously, they want me to come in again. And on the Friday before, I was waiting to hear if I was going to go forward on Godfather 3. No, Andy. Is that right? Andy went. What's Andy's last name? Oh, he lives here in Toluca Lake. Yeah, Andy. I know, you know who you're talking, you know about. I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh -huh. It'll Losing come. his last name. Great actor. And he. Uh, so it was for that role. And then there was a movie with uh, Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr. called Flight of the Intruder. I thought I was hoping to go further on that movie. On a Friday afternoon, I get the call. None of them are going further. And I, I was just really decimated. And uh, years ago, Jason, there were these boxes. You would open them up and press a button. Mm -hmm. And there'd be a recording of something funny. I don't know why I brought it with me from Florida. Hadn't worked in two to three years. And I'm really down. I'm really down on a Friday afternoon. 
And all of a sudden, this box is about 10 feet away from me. I wasn't anywhere near it. I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and I, it goes off. Hmm. The lid is closed. It goes off. And I hear, Bravo! Take a bow! Bravo! Take a bow! And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's the worst Another day ever. God moment. Right? But I stand up and it kind of got me out of the funk and I'm bowing to myself in a mirror like, all right, good try. Yeah. Good try. Yeah. That afternoon, the audition comes in for the fifth or whatever it was, a quantum leap. And that happened to be the right marriage of role with the actor, mm -hmm. right? That also happened to be a super blessed episode because everybody was fantastic, including the writing, the producers, the director. And um, it it would it knocked it out of the park. And yeah. Before the episode was even halfway over, I'm getting called into NBC, and they're asking me. So we watched your dailies, not giving anything away, and I'm like, uh huh. And they're like, and we called the editing room to find out if it was a fluke, and I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he says, and they assured us it's not. And would you like to do a show with NBC next year? Wow. And then I get the same thing from. I and got, this is now like really your big. This is happening. This is I big... thought it was going to be one of those movies on Friday, but now this is turning into something better. Yeah. Those two movies actually didn't do so great, believe Godfather it or not. Godfather 3, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it still would be cool to be in the Godfather That would have been movie, cool. Right? Yeah. Um, but that was, and then I was walking to Don Belisario's office. He was a, he's a legend still. Mm -hmm. uh, so many shows come from Don Belisario, including Magnum P.I. and, jag and ncis all those shows and uh as i'm walking there three guys in suits approach me and say john diaquino and i'm like i mean nobody knew me on friday mm -hmm. the week before and i'm like yes am i gonna get escorted off the lot <laughs> and uh we saw your dailies i'm like oh would you be interested in doing a show for universal next year and i'm like i can do that and then i went to don's office and he said the same thing Wow. It was amazing. It was really amazing. What has to happen ultimately is, th you know, there also has to be scripts and roles that things have to align, you know. So I wish it was smooth sailing past then, but it was still a little bit haphazard. Yeah, the highs and lows of, of this whole industry, right? You know, other ones, Murder, She Wrote, uh, Third Rock from the Sun, Jag, Xena, uh, Princess Warrior, mm -hmm. uh, Corey in the House. That was a that was a big show. And, that uh, was for this. So I got a call to go be on a Disney show. I had no idea what that was going to be, but that was actually I was teaching adults primarily uh, acting in L.A. simultaneously, and um, that got me into the youth world, which I love. That's how I know you. That yeah. show is the reason I know you. Mm -hmm. um, and. I've, I've been really blessed over the years because you get to play. You're with the kids. You're with great kids with incredible energy constantly. You, you get to work with Miley Cyrus even too on, on, a, on Disney, a show. Yeah. yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Uh -huh. That's when she was just starting out. Yeah. And uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I think we might have had his first television show. He was on the Is show. Is that right too? Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, it's good. Lots of, lots of people came off that. Uh, Abigail Breslin, the first time I ever met her, she's from... Little Miss Sunshine? She was on set as a fan. Yeah. I can remember her there. And Anyway, some other girls. You, you know what, like, so all, all of this, right, you know, because mm -hmm. you've got a lot of stuff to your resume. Um, but when when I met you in Florida, mm -hmm. 
right? We, we, it's like, what John is like, totally. Why am I seeing you in Florida here right now? Mm-hmm. And I see you on like every day, like in the studio in in Burbank, right. Or Toluca Lake. And so, um, you know, after I gave you a hug and we kind of went our own ways, um, you know, I went back to my table and they're like, who is that? How do you know somebody out here? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't live in Florida. And I'm like, that's the weirdest thing. That's my son's acting coach, John Diaquino. And I'm like, they're like, what? The acting coach? And like, yeah, what was, is he an actor? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, what has he been on? And I'm like trying to remember, you know, because I just met you. I'm like, yeah, he was in Corey in the house. Um, you know, he's been on a lot of stuff, right? And I'm like, he was on Seinfeld. Mm. And they're like, what? Seinfeld? <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, he was Todd Gack. On, <laughs> and they're like, no way, that's Todd Gack, right? So, like, it's amazing how, like, because Seinfeld was probably the biggest show, number one in the world. And, you know, it was, I've had the, I had the pleasure of being on, well, pleasure is a different word. But uh-huh. I was on Seinfeld, and it came in number one for the week, and I was the main guest star on Third Rock from the Sun, and that came in number two. And I'm the main guest star in both of those shows. In and the then, same week. Not only, no, it's not only the same week. One came on at 9, and the other came on at 9.30. <laughs> Is that right? back to back. It's pretty crazy. I didn't know that part of the story. That That's that's interesting. I wonder how many other people that can say that but that but i want i want to know because that like here it is the number one show in the world right and number mm-hmm. two i guess but as far i was a big seinfeld fan how did that happen like how did you like how did you get that audition like no you got to back it up i, I want to know that story i could i could say it in three words okay charles nelson riley yeah, right. if i don't have him as my teacher none of this happens yeah. If Burt Reynolds doesn't, you know, and have an altruistic heart and just spend a lot of money taking care of young people in his community and building up, you know, that community, none of this happens. These yeah. guys, they're, they're everything. Sure. And then if you follow form, you know, Charles used to say the, the theater is your church and honor, you know, you have to love the craft. And if you love the craft, the craft will love you back. Mm-hmm. So you have to love the craft. You have to dig deeper. You got to rise. It's like anything, right? Mm-hmm. You got to be the best. You got to be the best in your category. And acting's hard. So some days you, you know, some days you're the best. Some days you're not. Mm-hmm. And but when I was at my best, um, I would say I was tr- trying to outwork my competition. Sure outthink them, to bring things in. And then also it comes with confidence. So you're pointing to a lot of my successes. What you're not pointing to are the 2000 failures, if you want to call them failures, or near misses, the lessons along the way. The lessons. But you have to survive those. You get get knocked down, you get bloodied. Uh, But it's it's all about getting up and doing it again. Now as a teacher, it's very different for me because... We've had so I've lost some students. I think, as you know, I mean, kids that are no longer with us anymore. Yeah. So for me, it really is all about creating an environment for people to grow, to learn more about themselves. I'm more interested in who are they going to be in their twenties. Yeah. Are they going to be okay? Yeah. Are they going to be vibrant? You know, actors are typically pretty smart people. Mm-hmm. They're very sharp. They come in and they can you get to be able to do comedy and great dra- dramas. You have to be. Uh, intellectually diverse, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really all about what's going on inside them. Uh, and I want them to, I don't want them to thrive. I understood. But while you're in, on set on Seinfeld and you're just like, 
are are you pinching yourself? Like, is this really happening? Yeah. When the show aired, because it would have aired like a couple weeks later, months later. How long does it take for maybe a month or two? So when that show, like when you walked around on the street and got coffee, were you getting Todd Gack? Yeah. Number it, one show. It probably happened like Humongous. all day, like the next day, right? Just kind of yeah. walking around. Not John Diaquino. You're not Todd Gag. There's a surreal aspect to this. I think right? for most actors, though, I mean, the, the, it comes with great humbling unless you're a superstar. Normally, you have incredible humbling al- along the way mm-hmm. to hopefully kind of keep everybody grounded. I just, you know, when it's going well, and not that I did everything correctly. I, I wish that I had. Um, Charles was a wonderful acting mentor. Mm-hmm. I needed I needed Sam Weisbord to board to live longer because he would have been a phenomenal uh, mentor for me for the business. Yeah, and then there was another guy who was the um, director of a show that was my show called Shades of L.A. years ago, which actually was before the movie Ghost about a guy who gets an injury and he has these encounters with people that have passed away. Okay, and are trying to. Um, solve their crimes through me mm-hmm. to play a cop and uh, but this one guy bob came from radio fibber mcgee and molly and he was also one of the creators of the andy griffith show so bob was a big force and then he passed away early so huh. it's uh, if anything as a teacher i really want to try and share my mistakes and try and help people avoid them and that's what you're doing yeah i saw in in your home office you have a a photo of you there's somebody else and there's johnny depp in the photo did you work with johnny my uh, yeah i did the first episode of uh 21 jump street in that same photo is dom deloise's firstborn peter who became is a very oh is that popular who it is in the in the Peter photo Deloise, with you? he's also from the show ah. on that same episode and I haven't had the courage to watch watch that episode believe it or not hmm. but Josh Brolin is a is a young huh. uh, guest star on that show so the uh, very first episode the first episode with Johnny yeah huh Johnny was you know he was young just guy. an upcoming kid back then nice right kid, yeah yeah wow. So what would you say would have been the biggest audition of your life? Well, I think sitting across from Francis Ford Coppola. Is that right? So you got, you made it all the way through to the directors? Yeah, to him. And we and I and I was just nervous and I I literally I had the good sense to say I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, because he's my you know one of the, your idols. The, guy, probably, the Godfather right? is probably the number one movie, right? Yeah, for most people. Uh-huh. And, um huh. And he says, "Why are you nervous?" I mean, we're sitting like you and I are right now, and he's got a pad in front of me. He's recording everything that I'm saying. And I said, "Well, you're Francis freaking Coppola." <laughs> um, no, no. But anyway, then we, he says, "Tell me about your family." And he wanted to know about my Italian heritage and he wanted to know how I grew up. Mm-hmm. And so then he's just taking notes and notes. And then it was a really nice thing. It went on for a while. So that was really, that was really nice. I've had, I mean, I've had, sorry, I, I won't be able to even remember. Uh, to get Jerry and Larry David laughing yeah. at an audition because these guys don't laugh typically. Uh-huh. Comedians will typically look at you, point at you and go, funny. Uh-huh. But they don't laugh. Yeah. But they've heard everything. Funny. But I got them to laugh a few times at the audition. I was really pleased about that. And 
Uh, one thing with um, uh, Third Rock from the Sun, I had an instinct that I was coming over to date the girl in the show, the lead girl. And I saw the way they put me in the blocking and they put me next to John Lithgow. And so I went over to the prop department and I said, you have any flowers I can bring over on my first date? I knew he would grab them because they played aliens who don't know our culture. Uh -huh. I knew he would grab them. Uh -huh. Burt Reynolds would tell me, I used to ask him, how did you master the Johnny Carson show the way you did? Because really that's what made Burt. His guest star appearances on the Johnny Carson show he was so funny or every girl wanted to be with him. All the guys wanted to be like him. He was so funny. And uh, he said to me, John, I studied Johnny Carson <laughs> like hmm. a college course. He could, I knew how to feed him. Yeah. And Johnny, when he went on vacation, he put, he gave Bert the mantle. Yeah. And Bert had it for a week and that made him. And then people were going, we don't miss Johnny. Hmm. And then Bert, knowing how to take care of people, said, when, when Johnny came back, he says, can you believe these idiots who, who said that stuff? You know, and he basically was self-deprecating with Johnny. Sure, sure. So I have a, uh, my, when I first moved out here, like everybody has like their only in Hollywood story, right? So my only in Hollywood story, and I want to hear your only in Hollywood story. You probably have many of them, but there's probably some that come to mind. So my Hollywood stories. So uh, here we are. We had just gotten to Toluca Lake. You know, Zach just did the, the Camp Hollywood. You know, we haven't seen any of the Hollywood people yet. And so we walk into uh, for lunch at um, Angelino's right there on Moore Park um, in Toluca Lake. And we're sitting down. Actually, we, we did not sit down. We're walking in. There's nobody in the restaurant, but there's one person and and it was Jay Leno. <laughs> uh. Right. <laughs> and it's just like surreal because he's sitting there eating. There's nobody else in the restaurant. We call, walk in with, uh, you know, me, Zach, JJ and Bridget, my wife. But he's sitting there and he ordered two steaks. And like, I'm like, is this really happening right now? Is Jay Leno like just literally sitting mm -hmm. at the next table? And like, and like Bridge is like, well, should we ask him for a photo? I'm like, no, you don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> like you don't bother them when they're eating. He'll notice, like hopefully he'll come up and say something too. And so sure enough, he got up and, and he came over. And he's like, how are you boys? And he was just one of the nicest guys. And he's like let's take a picture. And he had his, you know, his uh, signature shirt on like a denim shirt. And it was just like yeah. so surreal, man. It was just like pretty cool. So that was like my first like Hollywood story. What, what is the story that comes to mind for you? Uh, multiples, but you have you many. Know, let, let's do a Jay Leno a connection. Okay. So my dear friend is Dan Roebuck, Daniel Roebuck, the actor, great character actor. He played Jay Leno in The Late Night Wars with Kathy Bates, which was a great miniseries, I think it was, on or movie of the week. Yeah. Where, you know, it's David Letterman and Jay, Jay Leno. Leno yeah, the battle. To, it was quite a battle. Too. Yeah, it was. And Dan played Jay. So I'm in, now I'm going to cut to how I know Dan. I'm in Europe shooting the, the television show, The Dirty Dozen, in Yugoslavia. Okay. And there was a movie called The River's Edge that had come out and it was a critical success, but it was such a dark piece about finding a girl's naked body by the river. It was just ugh. yeah, like the whole thing. And these kids just kind of like, they saw her there. They might've killed, I think it was, yeah, she was killed down by the river and nobody just, nobody brings it to the attention of anybody. They hmm. just go home to their lives. Like it didn't happen. Sure. 
And I don't know why it struck me so dark, but everyone's talking, all the actors are talking. By the way, at that table was John Slattery from Mad Men. We're sitting there and everybody loves this, this movie. Okay. Except me. And I'm the last one to speak. And they're talking about it. Um, and all of a sudden, they come to me and I said, well, I hated that freaking movie. And everything got real quiet <laughs> at the table. And I'm like, and I told them why I hated that movie. And everyone's looking at me. And then I, but I said, the only redeeming factor to me in that whole movie was the actor who played the killer, who was this big 280 pound guy, whatever he was. Yeah. I said, he was amazing. Little did I know that Dan Roebuck was the murderer, but he had lost 120 pounds and he's sitting across the Is table. Is that from right? Me. Huh. So Dan and I fell in love that day. Wow. He, like he's, he lives in Burbank and he and I are very good friends. Oh, that's awesome. But I don't know where I pulled that one out of, but I somehow <laughs> pulled that one out. So I'm going to read a quote. Um, and it's going to transition into what you're doing now um, and what you have been doing. So the quote reads, the most selfish thing that you can do in the world is help someone else because of the gratification, the goodness that comes to you, the good feeling, that great feeling from helping others. Nothing is better than that. Right. And so like what you're doing now with Young Actors Workshop is so critical like you are helping you're you're setting the stage for a lot of these young actors to pursue their dreams and their careers so how did how did you get into teaching and coaching you have to love the craft going back to charles every you know there's teachers around town my good friend robert devanza is a wonderful um teacher as well acting teacher he lit in the vent in the valley here mm -hmm. and um there's a lot of us that came from charles it's, it's just sharing the love of this craft. I don't know about how else to put it. You, you know, at its, at its core, it's, it's probably something that every, you said you did Second City. Sure. It's something that everybody should do because it helps prepare you for any time you have to stand in front of the PTA or anything. You know, people get nervous being in front of audiences. Yeah. One thing that I, I like to say is be of service. You know, if you make it about you, then it, your ego gets involved and it, it, it gets distorted. If mm -hmm. you are being of service, even in the work that you're doing, so even if you're on a television show, serve the character, mm -hmm. serve the show. If as a teacher, I'm be, I, I need to be of service. And what I hope is to help people grow their confidence level um, by understanding a little bit better who they are. So I have adults as well. We, mm. we, and I, I really enjoy working with adults who have worked an entire life at a job and now are finally doing something for themselves. That's mm. really rewarding. Sure. And they bring a different type of depth. They're not just actors trying to pretend to be something. They're moms and grandparents or, you know, they've, they've had a full career and now they're just doing this for love. And that's really rewarding to see how that affects them. Years ago, I got I had the honor of being a big brother with the Big Brothers Association. Oh, okay. And all of my friends used to say, working with kids, right? Yeah. And all of my friends used to say, oh, it's so nice that you do that. Hmm. But if they knew how selfish it was because of the, the joy that it brought me. Yeah. I mean, you're helping a kid out that doesn't have, you know, anything going on. To go throw a ball in the park, to do something like that. Yeah. It was, uh, I said, well, then maybe you should consider doing it. 
if you think it's, you know, I said, because it's so rewarding. Yeah. I'm a dad, you know, I mean, you could argue that it helped me be a better teacher working with kids, helped me be a better father, sure. you know? So. Yeah, that we have, I've had, I've maybe had like six interviews and three of the six have been big brothers. Really? Yeah. It's a great program. We should probably consider having somebody from Big Brother come in and be a guest on the show. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice to hear. How long you been married, John? Since 2002. Since 2002. I was with Catherine for seven years prior, but I'm now, actually, I do the math, I remember many years that is. Yep. And, um. Yeah, but we're we're in the midst of a renovation. That's where I just came from. So. Renovating the house. Finally, finally. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. And then and you have beautiful daughter. How old is she now? She's twelve and a half. Twelve and a half. Tall string bean of a kid. Yeah. It's great. She has no interest in acting, but she does take Jafet's improv class. And because of that, she's much more courageous. Sure. So in school it helps her out there. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's why improvisation is great for- Regardless of what you do. Everybody. Everybody Absolutely. should do it. So, first of all, it's fun. Uh-huh. I really wish that I grew up with it. Yeah. You know, I probably, if I had time, I probably would just go for fun myself and do it. I would have done the same in school. Same thing. Yep. Yeah. It keeps you so witty, regardless of what you do, whether you're just interviewing for a job It keeps you ready, ready to be and, you know, and appreciating the moment. Yep. So now are you spending more of your time these days um, acting or coaching? I've been acting a, a, a good bit lately. Um, the, last, the last thing I did was SWAT. Okay. Not long ago. Didn't um, I film them in Santa Clarita? They do. That's what I thought. Probably in your backyard. Yep. I see them at the bagel <laughs> shop all the time, the crew. They're always wearing SWAT jackets and stuff. Yeah. Yep. They have a really tight crew. It's uh-huh. a great job. Yeah. Um, but I direct, I write, I direct, I just directed, uh, the movie that I wrote in, and, which will probably, I say movie, but it'll probably play out as episodes. Mm-hmm. And, um, I find that I'm always busy with something, having the school, you're either coaching, teaching, writing, directing, acting in something. Oh, and I acted in a movie in Florida. Mm-hmm. I ran back for, um, which is kind of like a black mirror twilight zone. Okay. Thing. That was last month. It's been a busy few months. Can you just enjoy a movie or are you dissecting every scene? Well, when it's amazing, uh-huh. I'm, I'm just like you are You're or anybody about, else. I'm fully in. Yeah. Uh, when it gets clunky, uh, technically, um, oh. I, I'm into performance. That's exactly what Dan, Dan Laura was saying, you know, back when he was acting, you had to really act, you had to bring it. Right. There yeah. wasn't so many cuts and. Oh right? yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And way back the cameras were humongous and mm-hmm. very heavy. Yeah. Uh, if you want to point to a scene uh, from um, it's a wonderful life. It's so funny. You say that that's the same exact movie that he referenced. So Dan and I should have lunch. I will need to connect you two. Yeah. If you don't know each other. Well, let's get together. Okay. If you look at the, um, the scene, mm-hmm. I, where they're dancing at the high school. It's a stationary, still static shot. But they have the dancers dancing in and out of the shot in the background. Because remember, directors these days are afraid of just static shots where people aren't, two actors talking scares the hell out of me. Sure. So, because of how many ways you're going to cover it. They put it on sliders. They, they put it from above, right? However they can do it. But in that scene, You'll see how, um, what was it, Capra? The uh, Capra, I think. Mm-hmm. Frank Capra was the director. 
And uh, he put so much life into the frame of how people come in and out that you're never bored. Sure. It was an art form. And the extras were so much more than that. Yeah. They were really strong components of the film. So that scene gives you a beautiful idea of it should be about performance. It should be about the story. Well, you know, when when you can. Yeah. So I'm I'm a story guy. Yeah. I'm old school on Makes that. Makes you think of like Wizard of Oz too. There's always something oh, yeah. going on in that one, right? Oh These yeah. These classics. Those those actors were so brilliant in the Wizard of Oz. Uh -huh. I look at the performance of the Cowardly Lion. Uh -huh. Oh my God! To this day, it's genius. It just cracks you up. Uh -huh. The commitment to that character. Sure. And I'll huff. <laughs> you know, so fun so fun what's what's one movie that you probably can say you've seen 50 times like it just comes on and it doesn't matter uh, the first movie is coming into my head i i just can't walk away uh -huh. when sideways comes on oh really i just laugh my that's, ass off yeah i just okay. laugh it's so that's a more of an, a newer movie like with alexander the past 15 Payne years the director it's a brilliant movie sideways he huh. also directed another movie with George Clooney called The um, Descendants. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I think is based on a novel shot in Hawaii. That's a that's an incredible film, too. Well, we'll end on that note, John. I sincerely appreciate you coming down. And well, I will make blast. that connection with, uh, yeah, we'll go have lunch with Dan. Get some good Italian food and reminisce about old movies. And This was fun. Thank you so much. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Way. I appreciate that. It means a lot. This has been the Jason Hennessy Podcast. This show has been produced by Whitney Welsh, engineered and edited by Josh Fisher, and recorded at Hennessy Studios. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.